you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. Welcome to Big Show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, we bring you the smartest people, the people who expand your mind, brighten your future, teach you the stories and lessons they've learned over a life. The CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the astronauts, the Pulitzer Prize winning authors, storytellers, you name it. They're all on the show. Over 15 years, we've been bringing you the most smartest people. We have another grand gentleman on the show today with us. He's the author of the book, Visionary Male Leaders. It came out October 9th, 2021. We're going to be talking to him about his insights and everything that went into it. We have on the show with us, Bodie Aldridge. He is a gentleman whose mission is to help men remember their magnificent their magnificence and probably how to spell or pronunciate too. Bodhi's journey as a father and grandfather, a lawyer, coach, and facilitator has taken him across the world, diving deep into traditional teachings and contemporary leadership development so that he could find his magnificence and bring those teachings to other men. Bodhi's commitment to self-development, to lifelong learning, and to supporting men in business has allowed him to influence and support many organizations and leaders around the globe. He guides men to develop presence, open their hearts, and integrate their masculine feminine energy so they can start paying attention to what matters most. Bodhi lives near at the beach near Bryan Bay with his wife of 40 years. His four grandchildren and, I'm sorry, his four children and 10 grandchildren that would have made no sense to say 10 grand 10 children and four grandchildren maybe it would have i don't know i'll we'll figure it all out in the end that's why he's here to tell us all about it welcome to the show buddy how are you good thank you chris uh, so so excited to be here and yeah it's always interesting listening to some of those threads and going oh okay i've got i've got quite a few grandchildren <laughs> there you go 10 grandchildren that's awesome man. Yeah. you're working on the future there so give us your dot coms where do you want people to find you on the interwebs yeah, for sure. It's www.bodiealdridge.com. Mm-hmm. And there's also a link to www.freedomandflow, which is a free mini course that we'll be offering the listeners. And finally, I've got my podcast, which is called True Freedom, which you can find on all the normal podcast apps. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of some of the things you touched on in this book. The interesting thing in the book is that I feel we're at the time when for a lot of men, a lot of men in leadership, it's really a bit of a crossroads. It's men are looking to, what is it to be a leader now? Like if we look globally in politics and in business, you know, we can see that some of the old models of leadership are changing, some of them are dying off. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at the the kind of swing that came through from the 70s and 80s, a lot of men are going, that doesn't quite suit me either. And so the book touches on the possibility of what is it to be a man and in leadership. And when I talk about leadership, Chris, it's really simple to me. 
leadership is about influence. Hmm. So you can be a leader in your community, you can be a leader in your family, you can be a leader in your business, running your business, you might have a leadership role in your community, your faith-based community. I think at some level, so many of us are influencing the people around us. Definitely. I mean, we all have kind of influence and everyone can be a leader when it comes down to it. So one of the things you talk about is the masculine and feminine sides of leadership. Do you want to define what those are for us? Sure. Yeah, thank you. It's always good to define. And again, as as the bio mentioned, you know, I've studied a lot traditional wisdom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Hindu, the Tao, the Aboriginal here in Australia. And what I noticed was that all traditional cultures had words for this energy, the masculine and feminine energy that runs mm-hmm. through the universe and mm-hmm. runs through nature, Mother Earth, Father Sky. And, you know, essentially we could call it anything, yet these names, these labels seem to have developed. And one of the key things is that it's not based on gender. And I'll explain that a little bit more because often mm-hmm. one of the strong filters is we automatically go to gender. Mm-hmm. And so if we go to the biggest context, Chris, these traditional wisdoms talked about the fact that in the universe and in the energy there are these polarities you think about the north and south pole and what they realized is there's a certain energy which you could call masculine and a certain energy that you could call feminine Mm -hmm. and the simple definition at that level is the feminine energy in us and in the universe is everything that flows everything that moves it's like the ocean or the river it's constantly moving Hmm. The masculine energy in us is that can presence and witness the feminine. So it's like the river with the riverbanks. And as men and as women, and obviously I work mainly with men, it's about how do I get the balance right between the riverbanks, structure, scaffolding, certainty, and the river, the flow, flow states in sport, flow states in business, And that's a big part of what I teach is how to integrate these two aspects in ourselves. There you go. There you go. People don't, it's interesting to me because I talk about masculine and feminine energy a lot. Like on my Facebook, I discuss it and stuff. And it's interesting to me how many men and sometimes women, I think women understand a little bit more because they know what it's like to be in their feminine when they are around a masculine frame. But then if they don't have that masculine frame to provide and protect and, and provide security, then they, have to, then they have to man up and be in their masculine. And so I talk to a lot, and a lot of people really are, are really stunted in being able to understand that, you know, both men and women can operate in their masculine and feminine, and you can, you can play both sides. There's some people that seem to be really centered in it. Like I've met mm-hmm. men who are very emotionally centered in their feminine and vice versa. I mean, I've met some women that can't come out of their masculine no matter how much you see this. And in America, you're in Australia. In America, we have some real serious problems over here with people really confused about who's, whose roles are what and what roles are who and mm-hmm. who's being who. What sort of challenges are you seeing in the world from your end of life? And, and, and what, what are men experiencing that they need more help with stuff like this? Yeah, yeah. And again, great, great awareness. Again, if I just thin slice it a little bit more. So mm-hmm. again, it's not about gender. Mm-hmm. There's gender. We know that many conversations around gender, gender fluidity, all those sorts of things. If we come into the different aspects of it. So 
Firstly, there is our energy, our life force, almost like our sexual energy that comes through. And for most men, they're more in their masculine. Mm -hmm. And for most women, they're more in their feminine. Mm -hmm. Yet from there, there are also these traits. It's like this continuum of traits, the yin and the yang. So mm -hmm. if you think about masculine traits, so if, as you say, being the, the protector, holding space, you know, that strategy, that linear, and these traits for the feminine of connection and compassion and collaboration, those traits are available mm -hmm. to all of us. So what I see often, particularly in business, Chris, is a lot of women have had to use masculine traits, but they've lost their femininity. Mm -hmm because they didn't have that distinction. How can I still be in my feminine energy as a woman and be strategic and be linear? Hmm. And what's happened is for a lot of men, their version of the masculine energy is, you know, if you think about healthy and unhealthy anything, mm -hmm. there's a lot of unhealthy hyper-masculinity, you know. So being a provider is a very important trait, but the ultra-competitive aspect, the power aspect for some men can be a distortion. Hmm. And so teaching men how to access healthy masculine and the traits that they need. Any any of the listeners there who are fathers know what it's like mm -hmm. to be tender with their children, know what it's like to be compassionate with their children. These are mm -hmm. traits you can access as a man together with your ability to provide, to hold space, those sorts of things. There you go. It, it seems like, I mean, here in America, it's basically women are just, being men, they're just not bringing in their masculine full time. And they kind of have to if they don't have that sort of thing. We have a lot of single mothers and we have a lot of people that are single. And so if they don't have that, that's kind of where they have to be for security. So you, you work with men a lot. You talk to men about their issues and what they're into. In fact, most of the most of the most of the confusion I think that comes in our society is we try and there's this bullshit lie that we're all equal and we're not. And how do you square that sort of thing? There's no equality in the universe. There's we're complementary for complementary for a reason. How do you square the people that say we're men and women are equal or masculinity and feminine are equal? Yeah, I think the the conversation, the layer of the conversation is this whole conversation about diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. You know, which isn't about equality, it's about embracing it all. Mm -hmm. It's embracing the diversity that women bring in their feminine, men bring in their masculine, mm -hmm. you know, the inclusion of different thought processes, different gender, different colour, you know, those sorts of things. And so for me, as you mentioned, one of the things, work, I work with a lot of clients in the US and often I end up working with the couples. I start working with the men. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed for a lot of women in the US as a generalisation is a lot of them have been like, almost sold the pitch that you can be a CEO of your organisation, you can have two or three children, you can, you know, basically almost do it all. Mm -hmm. And to your point, the reality is that for a lot of women that I've worked with in their, you know, 30s who, have, who are, you know, highly intelligent, highly successful and then start to have a family, it creates this incredible internal conflict. Mm -hmm. Because there's a part of them that wants to nurture, wants to be with their children, but they've also been told and sold mm -hmm. this cultural story that you also have to be the CEO. Yeah. And that's where this inequality, that's where every relationship needs to be a conversation between the partners. How does this family unit work for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the problems that we see out of it was 
we had a whole generation of women that were raised being told by their mothers, you can have everything, you can have it all now. And I think the generalization was, is, well, you can, you know, you can be a CEO and you can have a family, but no one can have it all. And the madness in our society is this drive to try and have everything and the belief that you can master it all and that you can balance it. And what a lot of companies are finding is this burnout. You know, I, there was somebody on the show recently who cited a, a attorney firm that was a high powered attorney firm. And, you know, these, the women there were making lots of money, you know, insane sort of high incomes. They had great opportunities. They had, you know, great opportunities to advance, but they couldn't keep the women there at the, at the office. And so they have Brown and consultants that said, why are we losing women? And they found that women were burning out from being in their masculine. And then eventually, you know, that screaming biological clock that they have eventually won the game and they went and started families and they, they were burning out from being in their masculine all the time. And I see a lot of masculine burnout from women these days, yeah. especially in their forties and fifties. Yeah. And, and then they're, you know, they, they end up defaulting to biology. And so basically the bullshit that's being sold to people is bullshit. It's, people are always going to default to biology. Even, even you know, with all the stuff we get in America where, you know, men have to do this, men have to do that, or men have to be more like women is basically what we get told. And in the end, they're all chasing, when you see the dating on uh, the data on dating apps, they're all chasing the top masculine successful men. So they'll... You know, they tell you one thing, we, we are nice guys who, who just still sit around and play with babies, but they're all chasing the top masculine men. So it, it's quite the double-dipping dichotomy that's going on in our society. That's just You're just like, there's a lot of yeah. bullshit going around. Again, it's the interpretation, as you say. So mm -hmm. a couple of great points you make. So with the burnout for, for women in their feminine, again, what what's occurred working with a lot of leaders and a lot of female leaders is that Without awareness, a lot of women have had to develop masculinity and masculine traits to succeed in our current business models, law firms, as you mentioned, any of mm -hmm. that. And one of the things, I ran a business breakfast just for women last year and I was able to take them through some practices where you can stay in your feminine energy and, as I mentioned, access some of the masculine traits because sometimes you mm. need to be strategic, you need to be linear. And the journey for the feminine, for women in their feminine, Chris, is from depletion to replenishment. Most of them are depleted. One of the biggest issues for women mid-30s to mid-40s is adrenal fatigue, oh. as you mentioned. Trying to do it all in the context of what they've been told, you know, be the CEO, have three children, mm -hmm. be masculine. The flip of that, the, the other interesting study around women in leadership was that a lot of women get to senior roles. And as you say, normally, as a generalisation, will have their family and they look at the men so go to the law firm, some of the studies around law firms, and of course I spent my first 20 years as an attorney, mm. is that the women look at what it takes to go to the next level. And a lot of these men in the hyper-masculine, distorted masculine were doing, you know, 70 hours a week. You know, they were doing whatever it took. And the studies show that a lot of women are looking at that going, I'm not sure if I'm willing 
you know, with a family, with balance, with my marriage to, to really, really, that's the whole glass ceiling. A big mm -hmm. part of the glass ceiling was it wasn't just the opportunities for women. It was also a lot of women going, I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And that's where they lose good talent. That's where they mm -hmm. lose because they don't adapt. They think this is the model. If you're not willing to do 70 hours a week, yep, then you, you're not able to elevate. And what I see globally working a lot in Europe is that so many organisations are reala realising that mm -hmm. we need to structure ourselves differently. We need to cater mm -hmm. for the opportunities, not based on the lineal masculine model of power and control that creates success, inverted commas, yet doesn't necessarily create sustainability. So a couple of things that you mentioned, the distorted masculine working 80 hours, 70 hours a week. What, what do you yep. refer to as distorted? It's the healthy, unhealthy. So if you think about anything, and again, the US is a great example. <clears> you know, and, and Oz is, Australia is not far off. The suicide rate for men mm -hmm you know, for young men is just tragic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got these incredible symptoms showing up. The burnout for men, the lack of purpose for men, the illness for men, the stress for men. Mm -hmm. So all of that to me, my interpretation of all of that is we've got this. So one of the important masculine traits is a sense of competition. And healthy competition for men, teaching boys how to be good losers, how to focus on the game, you know, in sport. Mm -hmm. Yep. But when it becomes competition at all cost, when it becomes dog eat dog, when it becomes I've got to win and you've got to lose, I would talk about that as unhealthy, hmm. distorted. Hmm. Yep. You know, to me, it's like there's a healthy and unhealthy. There's the distorted and a flowing masculine and feminine i think we've just distorted it because we haven't got the awareness that absolutely being competitive being the best you can is a great attribute but when it becomes yet yeah, win at all costs and it's power over which is often in business i just I'm, i don't feel that's healthy hmm. Hmm. The the other thing is is you were talking about the structure of things and, and how things work and stuff. Yep. Business business in my mind in, and I operate on theory, so I'm always I'm always you, I may say something different tomorrow. But business in my mind is the same thing as hunting a woolly mammoth or doing what a tribe of men did back in the day, a caveman, hunting, killing, strategic, being aware. It, it's killing. It's murder, slaughter. It, it's providing through that method, if you will. And that's what business is. You're looking to destroy your competition. You're looking to win, excel, whatever, whatever the case may be. There's a hierarchy to it. There's a, there's a pecking order. There's a hazing order to it that men do. The reason men haze each other <clears throat> is to challenge each other to, so that they know that when they are in the thick of battle, that person's not going to cripple if they're in the knees, you know, when they're fighting the woolly mammoth or whatever it is. Women's social structures are more communal and, you know, it's very kumbaya. Let's sit around and hug each other and, and share our emotions. There's usually, you know, it used to be, there was some leaders that were there and they would, you know, take care of each other's kids and, and provide all that sort of thing. But the structure of business is very hunting is the very hunter part of the hunter gatherer syndrome. And so it, Machiavellianism and, and other things are natural structures to that in my opinion. And, and I see people, they're always trying to convince me that we need to change the structure of business to something that's more communal like women. 
And I think in the structures that I've seen, I've never seen one succeed or fail. I don't think I'm ever going to see a Fortune 500 company that's a kumbaya sitting around and and sharing each other's feelings. Am yeah, I, I mean, there's, yeah, there's two two important points, you know, and again, being a man of logic, being a man of theory, there's some fascinating studies now. So there's a, there was a great book by Frederick Laloux called Reinventing Organization, and it's been mm -hmm. around now probably eight or nine years, if any of the listeners are. And what he studied, Chris, was exactly your point. How can organizations operate with an integration of the healthy and masculine? Mm -hmm. because there's also the distorted feminine as much mm -hmm. as there's the distorted or unhealthy masculine the distorted feminine which we see yep just as much in the world mm -hmm. yep is and so what mm -hmm. he found and it was interesting he found 10 organizations globally very successful very profitable and they were all operating a different system because to your point traditional cultures knew that hunting and gathering were important Mm -hmm. They knew that integrating. If you look at a lot of traditional cultures, the Aboriginal culture in Australia, which is the oldest continuous living culture, mm -hmm. yet, was actually matriarchal, not patriarchal. Mm -hmm. And there are many matriarchal cultures in Africa. And what they realised is that if you look at the Aboriginal culture, so the men often went off to kill the kangaroo, mm -hmm. yet, literally and metaphorically. So it was very strategic. It was hunting. It was very strategic. They knew where the kangaroo would be. They knew which way the wind was blowing. They knew where the kangaroo would go. They knew where the men need to be placed. But while they were doing that, the women were gathering. They were gathering the berries. They were gathering the seeds. They were gathering the children. And so they had a very complex and very healthy system, a symbiotic system of integrating the masculine and feminine, and the men went and did men's work, sacred men's work. Mm -hmm. The women went and did women's work. Now, what happened in our culture with organisations is what we adopted, particularly the Industrial Revolution, was the structures for organisations are the same that we designed for war, to your point. We have a general manager. We have a chief executive officer. And they're very successful in war. You have to have command and control. You have to have hierarchy. You have to have absolute compliance. In the middle of a battlefield, if a Marine goes, hang on a tick, I'm not feeling like it today, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Marine needs to follow the order. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is that what it allows for, again, in, in if we use the armed forces, it's a very healthy structure if you want to win a battle. Yeah. Battle for business, what, battle for war. Ex exactly. What happens in business, though, and the hazing is an interesting one studying Japanese culture because what happens is the distortion of this model, again, it has a healthy and unhealthy. The unhealthy, if you think about power and you think about control, it's important to have a system where there is power and control. Mm -hmm. But true power is not the bullying, it's not the power over, it's not the domination from the top. Again, if you look at any of the armed forces, you look at some of the incredible work they're doing around, how do we collaborate? And in the middle of a battle, you've got to follow the leader. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's a long answer to your question that I feel we are integrating and some of those systems are healthy yep, and have in the right context. 
and some of them are being distorted. You know, in Japan, the hazing, so in Japan, what happens there is that essentially when you finish college yeah, and during college, most of the successful baseball teams in Japan are owned by the big Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. So whichever baseball team you go to, you end up working for that organisation. Yep. So, you know, without naming names, you can picture some of the big Japanese organizations. Yep. And mm-hmm. so it's part of and part of the rite of passage, and which is an important thing for men and women, is is the hazing. And so if you're a junior baseball player there, essentially you've got to go through it's like the fraternity stuff that you see yeah. in the youth in the yeah. US. Yep. Now again, my belief that having done lots of rite of passage work with indigenous indigenous cultures is the rite of passage which has been heavily lost in our culture is if you think about the hero's journey, you think about the journey for boys to men, there were certain milestones. So turning seven, yep, and going to 14, 13, 14, yep, you go from little boy to big boy, then you go from big boy to young man, and then about 18, 21, you go into becoming a man. And all traditional cultures, the boys were taken with the men, and the girls have taken the women and they were initiated. Yep. What is it to move from little boy to big boy? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, you can't hang on to being a big boy if you're now an adult. Yep. And so the hazing, the fraternity, the, the stuff that goes on in a lot of the Western cultures, Japanese culture, I believe is, again, using that word distortion of it is about initiation. It is about a rite of passage. It is about you're the new person in the team, in the business, in the fraternity. Yet I just feel that at times it's kind of lost a little bit of its context. That's just my personal view. So a couple, I'm trying to understand to make sure I, I understand all this thing. Let's, let's, we'll move backward in order. So the, the hazing that men do is pretty, to my understanding, it's pretty universal. Like we do it in gaming all the time. And I don't know, I don't care how many years I've been playing with somebody, how well I know them. The hazing element that we do is to make sure we're all up on the par, you know? Hey man, you awake? You live? You on point today? We got to go do, you know, we got to do a new battle. We got to do war. We got to go hunt. You on, yeah. you on point? You're, you're a little off today. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're falling down. Are you, are you, have you, had, you been drinking too much today? <laughs> What's going on, dude? You're not, you're not performing to par. And that's how men keep that, keep each other in check and in line. And so to me, it's not really about initiation. It, it is part of that sort of thing. Yep. But it's also making sure that, you know, you see football players do it on the team to each other when they're during the game or throughout the game, you know, and, and even if it's just patting someone on the back, giving some support or slapping somebody on the ass, like they do in football games. I think they banned yeah. it. Didn't they ban it? I never see it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's constantly like making sure that everyone on the team is operating at their peak performance. Everyone's aware what's going on because men inherently know, and this comes back to those caveman times that the one guy who's the weakest or who's going to, you know, when the, Tyrannosaurus Rex pops up, you know, and he's going to run off. Now, clearly, people don't write me that Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm just using examples here. Yeah. But, you know, he's going to run off, and then everyone's going to die because they needed that one guy to maybe overcome this thing. So that's kind of how I look at hazing. Okay. I and I, sorry, just to jump in. I, I I didn't give hazing that meaning, a slightly different meaning for me, but absolutely okay. to your point. To me, what I'd call that is commitment. Are you on and committed today? Hmm. Are you committed to the team? Are you committed to your role? Are you are you here, present? Hmm. So just, because just I'd, I'd still call it hazing because yeah. we break yeah. balls. 
I, I, yeah. we, here in America, we call it breaking balls. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna go up to you and be like, "You got your shit together, fucked hard, right?" And and yeah. we can talk to each other that way as men. We can't talk to women that way. We can talk to each other as women because we know. Because because I know. Okay, my buddy loves me. He cares about me. He's breaking balls because he wants to make sure that we're all fucking. You know, we're all up to par here. And so to me, that's still hazing. But it's you know, there's different definitions people yeah. can have. Um, now you mentioned that the Aborigines. Or aboriginals, aborigines yep. were a matriarchal society, but then you described a natural caveman society. So, yeah. how were they predominantly matriarchal? It's interesting. The studies around herds in animals is fascinating, and, and mm-hmm. if, if you're a hunter, you may notice this because we used to think it was the it was the stag deer that led the tribe. Hmm. But the studies now, the footage is incredible, if any of the listeners are interesting. What they realised is that if you think about the herd, the stag was often out in front. The stag was often the biggest, you know, and obviously genetically the one, the most desirable. Mm -hmm. But what they found was before the herd moved, the the older females were signalled to each other where to go. So they were actually directing the herd, and then it was led by the stag. And it's the same in Indigenous cultures. The women, yet the matriarchs were holding the energy. They knew, yet where the tribe needed to go. They knew what the children needed. They knew where the berries were. They knew where the water holes were. Hmm. Yet, but then the men went and executed through the masculine. They went, yep, and followed through, through that linear, through that security. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Some of the studies. Wouldn't the women know that from their roles as gatherers? I mean, that's their, their caretaker, yeah, their job is yeah. to caretake the thing. So they, they would yeah. have to know that data. That yeah, wouldn't be men's exactly. data to have to know. Yeah, it's like, exactly. it's like if I'm the top breadwinner in my, in my, in my home and I'm doing the masculine, providing this security, you know, I've heard this complaint. I've heard this complaint in divorce court where women will say, he doesn't know the teachers that the kid has. And, you know, I don't know what, what sort of whatever fucking things going on in the school. And it's like, he doesn't need to, that's your job in the feminine to take care of, you know, the water, wherever the thing is. I mean, the providing for the children, that's, that's a feminine role. And whether or not you want, you want to share that role, you know, with your marriage, work it all out on your guys' end. So it's interesting to me, you mentioned the, the amount of suicides men have. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like you guys have the same sort of thing we have going on here. Men's suicide is, is yeah. incredibly high. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? The two fundamentals for for men, for the masculine, a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. And what's happened in our culture, the nuclear family, the disconnection of community, loss of village is, and I'm not sure what your experience is, but so many of us men, young men, teenagers, we we often don't have that sense of belonging and fitting in. Where do I fit in? Sometimes mm-hmm. you find it in a sporting team. You know, you might find it in a family. And so a lot of young men have lost a sense of where's my community, where's my tribe, and then purpose yep, is so important. Yep, mm-hmm. Men need a reason to get out of bed. Hmm. Yeah, We've got to have 
that purpose. And, you know, having worked with a lot of young men here in Australia and setting up different organisations, when they feel a sense of belonging, I belong to this group, I belong to this tribe. And that's what we see in a lot of social media in the gaming world. You, you know, you're experiencing that. People want to belong to that community, whatever nuances. So giving young men a sense of belonging and then giving them purpose. And for a lot, you know, certainly in my community, there are disadvantaged youth here. And for a lot of them, it's just, you know, getting an apprenticeship, getting a trade, having a job, a purpose, you know, a, mm. a, you know, the whole conversation around employment, you know, those sorts of things. So I believe they underpin. And out of that, just to, just to continue, is that we know that the loneliest people on the planet yep, mm. are middle-aged white men. Yep. 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 And that's because they've lost belonging. Mm. Yep. That connection, where do I fit in? I'm lonely. And if you think about the trajectory, they have their uh, friends at college, they may have their football friends, and then they lean into their career, you know, and obviously they lose a bit of touch with that. And suddenly they find themselves, kids might leave home or they might grow up and they're going, yeah, where, where do I fit in here? Definitely. And, and, yeah, and I think they're some of the causes, the, the, the real deep causes, Chris. Definitely. I, I, think, I think at the core of that, I, I came from the last generation that was raised by alpha men, and I was the cusp of it because it was my grandfather. But then my father was a beta, and he was stuck in his emotion and trapped in his emotion, and he was having struggling with his balancing logic and reason. He sure discovered narcissism, though, so he had that going for him. <laughs> it's always good to pick one of the dark triad traits. To yeah. but, but then he still had emotion, so his, his real grounding was in emotion when it came down to it. But I had a I had a alpha masculine grandfather and and stuff and so it started with the sixties with us with the rise of feminism the attack on men men seeing their families you know the, the rise of divorce and everything else sexuality becoming more open and free which I'm not sure is a, was always a good thing and basically the disposability of men you know men started being attacked very early on in the sixties by advertising. Because they knew that when we're sitting home watching TV and and playing, you know, using men and fathers as as the joke pit poke, you know, and and that's when we really started to be devalued in society. <clears throat> and as men tried to adopt, and they're like, okay, there's toxic masculinity. All these hateful people are telling us. Then okay, we'll try to be more feminine. We'll try to back down. And then it's just gotten worse. And then you had emotion, basically emotionalism has taken over to where it's a largely feminine society we live in. You see the participation trophy generation, that was feminine. You know, it's, it's kumbaya, everybody gets an award. There's, we don't have to have, you know, we don't have to have this battle for being number one. Everyone can get a hug and have body positivity and crap. Uh, and, and, and men just, bought it hook line and sinker make her happy happy wife happy life just whatever make her happy just give her whatever she wants and by men abdicating their role as leaders as elders of society as masculine they've they've lost their way and so these they've been as they were raised they've been handicapped by you know the the daughters were told hey girls you can have it all and then men boys are like well, what do we do and dad's, you know, neutered. So dad just goes, I don't know, whatever she says. And so mothers just basically handicapped their sons and said, do whatever she says. 
And and now we have these incels and these these what else do we call them? The simps. We have these mm. huge amount of male simps in the world. Mm. And the funny thing is about all the bashing about patriarchy and and masculinity and stuff. All the women on dating apps are chasing the top five masculine men, top five percent of masculine men. They're all looking for masculinity, in spite of saying completely the other thing. And so I think a lot of men have been hoodwinked over three generations, and they've just gotten softer and softer. And you know, the school shooters that we see, where men are using their their biological nature, their proclivity to easily kill, and they're living in their emotionality, which you mix that together is not a great fucking drink and and so they're acting out in all sorts of ways and and behaviors and so i think you're right we need to return to masculinity you know um here in america we've been told for decades that masculinity is bad it's evil in fact they stacked enough women on the psychiatry board so they could declare that masculinity is toxic it's just insidious what's been going on the agenda against men but then everybody wants us to save their ass in the end go to war and be the masculine provider and protector and if not then they're on tiktok screaming where are all the good men you wiped them out good job so and i think you you know your summary is, is is exactly what i would call as i say the distortion on the unhealthy you know trajectory that we've been on and where a lot of men have got lost because what is it to be a man how do i stay in my masculinity my true masculinity mm-hmm. Yeah, to to hold space, to 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 be a provider, yeah, to a, a create a relationship with my beloved that works for both parties, and also particularly those with children. How can I have connection and compassion and those sorts of Definitely. things? And it's possible, and certainly we we're returning to it. And again, that's why you know I I enjoy the work I do with men, particularly men. What I find, Chris, for me, a lot of men, sort of early forties to mid fifties. You know, they're married, they're in business, they've got a mortgage, they've got children, and, and those men are kind of asking these questions. There's a lot of, a lot of great work for men, young men, older men, but that's certainly the demographic I find. It's like, how, how can I be the man I want to be? How can I live fully? How can I live my purpose and manage my business, manage my parenting, manage my relationship? And... The good news is certainly working with, you know, thousands of men around the globe is, you know, we're certainly seeing evidence of what's possible. There you go. So tell us what you offer on your website when people go there, what's, what sort of things you're doing there and, and services you offer. Yeah, one of the things I'm offering any of the listeners today, and if they go to the link around the mini courses, I'm offering, if, if any of the listeners are feeling called and going, you know what, I'd like to explore this more. I'd like to understand what masculinity is yet in contemporary conversations what i'm offering is a a complimentary alignment call so it's a one-hour coaching session with me it's available for any of your listeners if they click on the link and just reach out as part of you know being on your podcast Mm -hmm. and then that alignment call is a matter of going you know is is this work something that interests you and then what happens then is normally what i start with chris with clients is i normally start with some one-on-one coaching yeah we do a three-month package where we go deeper in these concepts. We go deeper and very bespoke around what's going on for you as a man. What what have you been sold around the image of masculinity? How do you navigate these things? And then a lot of the men, I, I now run group programs for men where we go deeper, virtual programs, men from around the globe. Again, exploring these concepts. The teachings that I've learned from my 
business leadership training and my traditional wisdom training are about how to get more present because mm-hmm. we're very distracted. There's so much distraction. How mm-hmm. to find my purpose. Yep, what is my purpose? And how to bring more passion into my life, how to bring more joy. And so that's very much what I'm offering any of the listeners and, you know, working working with men who are, who are up for it. There you go. There you go. We need to bring back masculinity and teach men that there's masculinity isn't toxic. It's healthy. It's it's what all the women are chasing at my thing. I hear so many complaints from women that they cannot find masculine men. They don't like finding emotional men. And, you know, I've studied all my life from a childhood basis. I had to deal with, with, uh, I had to deal with seeing the difference dichotomy of an alpha and a feminine, um, uh, grandfather and a, and a, a very weak grandfather and a, and a completely toxic grandmother who, who, she couldn't operate safely in her feminine. That was basically it. Mm. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Bodhi. Give us your.com one more time so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, www.bodhi, B-O-D-H-I, Aldridge, A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E.com. And True Freedom is the podcast. And then Freedom and Flow is the mini course, www.freedom and flow. And to your point around the most attractive thing to the feminine is a man who's present mm-hmm. and on purpose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. any of the listeners who'd like to cultivate that, please reach out. Happy to help. There you go. So thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss one on the TikTok, and Chris Foss Facebook.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>